Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today we are uh, doing a new format episode. We're we're doing a little "What are you reading?" segment because you know we want we're trying to be a little bit more consistent with weekly drops. And I'm very excited because I have a new uh, podcasting buddy that I came across, and we've been talking a lot back and forth about different books. So we have Jake from Spectales on today. How you doing, Jake? What's going on? Thanks for having me, Lance. Of course. I- I'm so excited to have you on, man. It, it's been fun, one, getting to know you, and and two, just going back and forth about books that we should be picking up, <laughs> because uh, we're going to be talking about one of those books today, but it was it was a blast just you sending that in the message, and immediately that like day, I went and snagged it. <laughs> well, that's kind of the fun of making comic book friends, of course. But that's also the perfect aspect of why we why we record our own podcast, why we do it. And then, of course, we bond over a book that you and I now talked a little bit about. I'm looking forward to talking it in a little bit more detail here. But then we bond over that, and then we just find more books that it turns out you love and I also love. So, yeah, no, perfect perfect show for us to, to christen our friendship with. Exactly. This is actually going to be the first episode I'm recording in our new house. Uh, we're, we're, we don't have the money to buy, but we're renting this house right now. But it's a house. It's very different. I no longer have the carpeted floors, so still working on the audio. Hopefully it, it's staying at uh, the quality level that, that I would like to be at. I think you're good. It sounds great. Good. I'm excited for that. But, you know, baby's on the way. I have a little baby girl coming in in June. And so, you know, I thought with with all this less time coming, what should I do? Record more podcast episodes. <laughs> but shorter, shorter ones. Maybe shorter ones. With the editing. Exactly. And also things that we don't have to prep as much for. Literally this whole series, when we do these style of episodes of what are you reading? It's just going to be whoever's on with me. We're just going to talk about literally what have we been reading that week? or recently and why we like it and why maybe the listeners should pick it up. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I came. Hopefully there's no other prep I needed. No, there, there is literally no other prep. Perfect. Yes. It's going to be a lot of fun. And with that, let's dive right in to you telling our audiences about Spectales. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's interesting pitching a, comic book podcast on a different comic book podcast but <laughs> spectales i am one half of spectales i co-host the show with my uh, co-host and partner jesus he is uh, a friend of mine that i met through instagram and we started talking comics and just things that we liked uh, he's from houston texas i'm from nebraska so we've never actually met in person but we just started first it was through instagram and instant message and we were texting and then i was like hey can i just call you like i'm driving home from work can we just call talk about comics and he's like all right sure and, and then we eventually randomly during conversations we'd be like this is the show we're just talking comics and then that developed into we decided on a format where we want to talk about grail tales and that is the primary segment of our show where we have guests on, uh, invite them to talk to us about, we always talk about something they recently picked up and and we'll talk about speculation books because we do have a lot of listeners that like to help the hobby pay for itself, as I like to say. And 
but the key is everybody has like a grail or some mega book that they either have been chasing or chased and when they get it and what it means to them. And for some people, it's not even a book, a massive valuable book. Sometimes it's just a book that maybe it was the first book they ever read and it took them years to track down over again or something along those lines. But we like telling stories and the stories about collecting comic books. So that's really, I guess, the way I would put it. It's kind of an interview style show. We always have a guest on and we like to mix it up with creators, but also collectors. So sometimes you're going to, you'll know the people we've talked to because they are a creator, you like their books or their work. But other times, it's just maybe a friend we met on YouTube or something like that who has a fun story to tell. I love your show. It is, it's one of my favorites to listen to every time there's a new episode. I, I came across it because our, our mutual friend over at uh, Tencent Takes was like, Mike. hey, you should, yeah, Mike. And he was just like, hey, you should like check out this other podcast. And I started listening to it and I was like, this is exactly like, what I also like within the comic book community, just because I and uh, myself and another friend, I, myself and another friend, that's the sequel to me, myself and Irene. Uh, (laughs) During the pandemic, we were like, okay, we need more money. What can we do? And so we started buying and flipping comic collections. And then we realized we never have to spend a dime of our own money ever again. We just use the hobby to pay for it. So your show is exactly the kind of thing like fits in my wheelhouse because there there's books that you've talked about on the show that I am now hunting for also because they were like put on my radar and now I just want to own them in my collection. Well, that for me personally, and and I know that there are, there are different versions of comic speculators and people who are flipping. And I know that there are horror stories about those individuals that they don't even read the books, right? They just go out and they find something that that they think they can make more money on. And that's that's not the realm we're talking to. That's not yep. necessarily if those are if that's the way that you want to collect, of course, hell, there's no wrong way to comic book. That's just not the way that we do it, where we're usually much more passionate about the storytelling. And sometimes the speculation is also just fun to talk about, hey, how could this fit in the MCU? But I also really like vintage horror comic books. And so I'll I'll constantly recommend, you better go buy these creepy magazines from the Mm -hmm. 1960s because they're super undervalued. And at some point, somebody's going to be like, hey, these things are really awesome. And then everybody else is going to figure it out and then they'll be too expensive to get later. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite things about buying collections is running across books that I, one, have never even heard of and then getting to read them and being like, oh my gosh, these are so cool, throwing those in my collection. And then the things that I'm not as interested in, you're like, okay, time to flip this stuff and then get another collection. So it's so much fun. My collection exploded when we started doing that. I didn't own a single graded book before we started doing that. And I've just gotten so many books that I've just, I really enjoy and there's no way I would have gotten them any other way. And not to go too far into the graded book thing. A lot of people, there are that sometimes that's where people draw a line. Mm -hmm. I don't want any graded book. Listen, I much prefer having a physical book that I can handle and I can read. And, and actually the first golden age book I ever bought was a tales from the crypt book. And I needed it to be a physical, like I specifically was looking for raw copies. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about the grade that some people, if you're not into flipping and reselling books, 
The thing about the grade that some people may not understand is it actually helps you standardize what value you sell the book at because you can go in and say, okay, this is a 9.0 and that book recently sold in a 9.0 at a specific for this price. And when it's a raw book and you're just grading it by eye, one, people may not believe you, or two, you may end up selling it. And then the person says, no, this is not as described. This is, You said it was a 9.0 and it's clearly a seven. And so now you're haggling over grades. Mm -hmm. The slab really does simplify that for that reason. And it preserves the book in a way that people trust. There's so many books in my collection that I will never slab just because I want to read them again. Of course. That's that's the whole point. There are some that I'm like, I, I'm so worried about messing this book up that I'll say, yeah, yeah, maybe it, it, it's time to potentially create this one so I don't mess it up over time. But yeah. the, And we could legitimately have a full-on conversation oh, just about this. But how about we dive into the first What Are You Reading book of the episode? And uh, Jake, how about you go first? What are you reading? Absolutely. Hopefully we have time for your book, Lance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I specifically brought Ghost Cage number one, which is yes. art and co-written by Nick Dragota. Uh, the other co-writer is Caleb Golner. And this was a book I found or I got off a recommendation off Discord. Somebody said, you got to read it. And I said, how had I not heard of this? You know, I, I read previews. I look through that. Published by Image, and it is a extra large first issue, so I believe it's like forty five pages. So it's yeah. a little bit longer, a little bit more dense. This is a sci fi epic with, I mean, kaiju monsters. It's got the dystopian future. I, I mean, it, a few a few of the the tropes maybe within the sci fi realm, but putting a new spin on it with regards to energy and anyway this first book blew me completely away to where i it's rare that i will instantly go everybody in the world needs to read this cuz sometimes i'm like yeah jake you have special taste you know not everybody is going to like what you like everybody is going to like ghost cage Every, it, there's something for everybody uh but yeah you read it right this is yes. the one that we we kind of bonded over a little bit yeah, you messaged me and gave a description of it. And that description was like something akin to like Akira meets, and I, f I forget what you, the other thing you said. Uh, the Incal. There you go. And it, it's re it was reminiscent of the very first time I read the Incal or Akira, because there is something about the elements used within the book that are uh, familiar in a way. It's familiar, but completely new. And that was the feeling I got the first time I read Akira and the first time I read the Incal. And that's because so many other science fiction stories have pulled from over the years from the Incal and from Akira, where you just, you've absorbed it over the years and you don't even realize it. This has that feeling, which maybe this is of course new. So maybe it's just because it's borrowing some storytelling elements that I'm, I can't quite break down, but it, it instantly feels comfortable when you re are reading it. And really, the only, the only thing that I wish, which is not like a, a negative, this book, the, the cover is in color, but the book itself is all in black and white. 
And while it's a really interesting aesthetic for the story and, and reading it all the way through, I can't help but think I would love to read this in color. At the yeah. very least, I'd like to talk to Nick Dragota and ask him about why uh, they decided to go black and white. It, it seems very heavily influenced by manga. Mm-hmm. And no, knowing that manga generally does come out in black and white, that's kind of the the thought I had with it. But I agree. I think in color too, there could be so many things that pop and and you can really give a little bit more detail because the, the only critique I had of this book was just there were some panels where I couldn't follow what was happening, but in like the battle sequences. And as somebody that has like read like Dragon Ball Z and and all these other manga uh storylines like i can follow along i'm it's it's not super hard this one there were just a few times i was like wait what just happened same here and it it's not bad art there are no. there are sometimes when there is so much going on on the page in the frame you immediately have to slow down go back a little bit and then make sure you're reading it right and so that could be considered a negative and that that is again the only critique i have is it's the black and white i I attributed it to it being in black and white and the color if there were color i think that it would uh, enable you to highlight the things that you need to see on the page i I guess we should give a little bit of a synopsis for it so i butcher synopsis so bad (laughs) yeah it's it's that's one of my favorite parts of your episodes though it's amazing It's not, it doesn't do good when you have the artist on themselves and you butcher that synopsis <laughs> in front of them. That's, uh, I think I did that to Mark Wade. I don't think he enjoyed that at all. <laughs> the audience listening, though, did is amazing. <laughs> uh, so, the like general synopsis, and correct me where I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, a like a scientist has created this new form of en- energy, which is like this entity. And it is slowly going up against each of the prior energy creators. And so if you're thinking of things like, like if there was an entity for coal, or if there was an entity for hydro powered, these things are like kaiju monsters. And this new form of energy is battling them to basically take control. Yes. Yeah, that is... That is about perfect. Uh, I was I was going to say something along the lines of uh, when his megacorp power plant falls under attack by terrorists, the super scientist who revolutionized and controls all energy on Earth sends his ultimate creation and an adequate employee in to destroy his most monstrous secrets. That's just off the top of my head. I wasn't reading anything. Oh, yeah. That sounded very fluid. (laughs) (laughs) But... Honestly, if you are a fan of like manga style storylines or just manga in general, if you enjoy monsters and intrigue and science and elements along those lines, this is 100% a book for you. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's it quickly became the number one book on my on my stack. Right. So there are books that you know, unfortunately, I'm not going to name books, but there are books that they go on the stack and I, I don't I don't read them right away. Uh, sometimes they wait a few days or weeks. This book is an immediate read for me uh, for the, the second go around. Yep, that's 
it's it's not a recent poll. It's not a poll that I'll talk about for this episode because I've already finished it a while ago. But that's how it is for Barbaric for me. Oh. As, so Barbaric is a storyline from Vault. And it is uh, like written by, I believe it's Michael Morecci or, uh, Mar- yeah, Morecci. And oh my gosh, the storyline is incredible. It's There's only three issues out right now. There's a one shot that's about to come out and then the series itself is going to return fairly soon. And it is so much fun to read. I haven't had this much fun reading a comic in a very long time it, because it's just a barbarian, a talking axe, and magic and creatures and mysticism and it has such a great balance of action and humor and horror and all the things that i love that sounds brilliant yeah i i haven't read it and uh i that's the thing is vault sometimes um the lcs i go to that i love they don't always buy a lot of vault comics and so if it's not something i pre-order which is harder for me to, you know, to justify. Otherwise, I'd pre-order everything that was mostly interesting, mm-hmm. which is a lot. So I, I don't get a ton of vault comics. You know, poor, poor me. I live in Nebraska, right? But that's that's how it goes sometimes. And so that was one that I missed. Luckily, the first three issues have already been collected in a trade. So if you want to catch up real quick, you can snag that trade. I will. I will definitely do that. Yeah, and immediately message me after you read it because I need to hear your thoughts. Fair deal. I'll make that deal with you. Perfect. So I'm not counting that as my suggestion for the week because I more recently just finished reading the first deluxe edition book one of Once and Future. Oh, nice. And oh my gosh. Gorgeous book. It, it like when you hit the light in different angles, it just like there's so many elements that are just like hidden oh, in nice. there too. Yep. I can see it. I I became out of nowhere. I've been a single issues person for a very long time. I com- comparative to like my single issues, my trade collection is minuscule. But I don't know what it is about what what Boom Studios is doing over there, but their deluxe edition books are I have to own them. I was about to say that reminds me a lot of what they did for the something is killing the children. Yes. Uh, collection, which I have that. And I also have that. Oh my God. It's so good. Just yeah. the quality that you just want to hold it in your hands. You do. I'm, I feel like I need to actually um, go get my book so that I could looking at yours. I was like, I, I need something more substantial to hold on to. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> yes. But like I'm happier right now just holding this in my hands. That that's how it is right now. And I I don't know if if you've read Once in Future, but it's it's written by Kieran Gillen, who I absolutely fell in love with after reading Die. I've read Die, but I haven't read this. Yes. Yes. So uh Kieran Gillen is I feel like he is just a master at writing this type of genre of comic. It's if there's fantasy, if there's mysticism, he is all over it. And it is illustrated by easily one of my favorite artists, Dan Mora. I am obsessed with everything he does. Uh, If you've listened to my podcast, if you listen to our last episode, uh, we talked all about 
the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger TMNT yes. crossover, and Dan Mora did the covers for those issues. And he has such a way with drawing action and fight sequences and the way he does his line work. There's things, it's a flat page. There's nothing moving, but you feel like you're watching a movie. Yeah, the motion that he's capable of capturing is is incredible. And I did I did listen to that last episode and I have read the the crossover with Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, I am going to fully admit I'm a I'm a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I'm also a big Batman fan. Yes. So I love the TNMT Batman crossover. Mm-hmm. And there were some similarities. Uh, of course, obviously, the Teenage Mutant, Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are there. However, I it was great. I kept comparing it to the other series that I liked better, the f- the first series. Yes, yeah, I I can definitely agree with that. But like, I flipped through these pages, and like, here I'll show you in the screen. Oh my god! But like, the art in here is just. I stare at the pages. Like when I read, I read very slow. And I think that's why I really enjoy comics is because I can visually take everything in and read the very minimal words that tend to be on the page. And with this book, I found myself just staring at some of these pages just in awe. And it's not just Dan Moore's art. It's also like, the, I believe the coloring is done by uh, Tamra Bonvalain and just beautiful, like absolutely beautiful. Well, the, so did he do all the internal pages for those? Yes. Oh, wow. It is one of my favorite things I've read in a very long time. And like Boom Studios just right now is crushing it. They've been, there have been so many good series. Did you read Proctor Valley Road? I haven't yet. Put it's that on the list. list as well. It's it's uh, violent and nostalgic, and it, it it wields nostalgia as a weapon, and I think it's awesome. I I really enjoy that, <laughs> and and just so uh, I can kind of talk about like the premise for the storyline. It's it's so it's very heavily influenced by Arthurian mythology, and anything to do with knights, the Round Table like medieval times in a comic, I'm there. I'm there watching like any single show that's about it. I'm there watching every anime that's about it. I don't know what it is about that genre, but I'm a sucker for it. And this series basically takes Arthurian mythology and kind of turns it on its head a little bit. And it it is about this woman named Bridget who is living in a retirement home and she's a former monster hunter. And she finds out that these individuals have resurrected this evil from the times of Arthur. And so she breaks out of her retirement home, gets her uh, grandson, Duncan, who is a museum curator and very not much the hero or, or the knight in shining armor type. And she grabs him and is like, Hey, we got to go do something. And so he's just thrust into this world of monsters and magic. And it's about like his growth and their relationship and diving into their family history. And it's so cool. That sounds pretty awesome. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah. I, 
Whew, I love this book so much. Everyone needs to read it. When uh, when did it first come out? When was it released? Ooh, I would let's see. I have their page pulled up. Let's see if it actually says what year. I feel like it had to have started in twenty twenty. I think they're on issue like twenty four right now, and they've been releasing like one a month. So I, I think it had to have dropped in twenty twenty. Somewhere but, in there. Nice. Yeah. Have you been on since the beginning? I have not. I I bought the well. So I used to uh, basically get books for free for working in a comic shop while I was in grad school. I was flat broke. I was had so many loans out, and I was like, I I can't like afford books. I'm like barely affording anything right now. And I went to a local shop one day just to kind of hang out, and I saw a woman setting up kind of some books in uh, inside of another comic shop. And I was looking for, I was looking for an issue of die actually in, in the main store. And the owner of that store was like, Oh, I don't carry new issues, but you can go check out that section. And it was the section where the woman was setting up her shop. And I go over there and I ask, and she actually did have a couple of like the later issues of it, but she had so much inventory because she was going to be selling new issues and the, cause the current store owner didn't do newer stuff. It was just yeah. like vintage books. And so I was like, Hey, you have kind of a lot of stuff here. Like, do you want some help setting anything up? And surprisingly she's like, yeah, actually, if you wanted to like help me set up or price out books, that'd be cool. And so I started doing that and she would pay me in credit and she started making a pull list for me of just things she thought I would like. And once in future was one of those. Oh, nice. So I have the first f- six issues of it and uh, I thought it was very cool. And then I, I was like, I still can't afford to keep doing ongoing. Cause at a certain point I just wasn't able to be in that shop anymore. I wasn't able to work there cause I graduated and moved away. Yep. But luckily I was like, I know once they come out with a cool like collect edition, I want to get it. And then they came out with this deluxe and I was like, yes, this, I need this. Now, did you get that on pre-order? No, no, I didn't. I, I, yeah, I was able to find it for uh, cheaper (laughs) than cover actually. So I was very happy about that. So do you remember when the something is killing the children deluxe was announced and, and when it released, people were selling it for insane numbers for some reason because it sold out really? oh wow yeah, i remember at one point it was up to like 200 bucks what something like that it was oh, it was like right around the release time and people were selling it on ebay for about 200 bucks for the ultra deluxe big black yeah. edition or whatever oh oh the one that had like the cover sleeve and stuff on it yes, yes. so i forgot so it was may of last year when it was on for pre-order so i i got the deluxe the super deluxe with the the sleeve and all of that and I forgot I pre-ordered the book, to be honest. <laughs> and I get a box in the mail. And my, of course, my wife is like, what do you order now? And I was yep. like, no, 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 I don't know. I don't know what this is. Well, I, I didn't order anything. And then I opened it. I was like, oh, yeah, I ordered this a long time ago. And I even contemplated selling it because of how, like, I bought it for 48 bucks or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And it was selling instantly for 200. I could have instantly made 150, which it's how do you, you know, it's very hard when you're like, well, take my money, turn it into money, more money for no, 
no cost to me basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I ended up keeping it cause I was like, nah, I got to keep this thing. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a cool book to have. Cause when I looked it up and I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get the deluxe edition of it. And then I saw the one that had that sleeve cover. I was like, oh, I want that one. And it was sold out. And then I saw the prices it was going for. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even mean to, I'm not even bragging. I just literally accidentally got it for the most part. I that's forgot a- that I ordered it for myself. <laughs> That's Great incredible. gift to get. Yeah. But it it is it is incredible. The print job, Boom does an amazing job. And for individuals who are readers and collectors, they make it worth it, right? Like they make it they worth do. the money you're you're putting down for it. Absolutely. Like these things are the deluxe editions are no joke. This this one of Once in Future has the first 18 issues yep. of it. And the cover price for it is it it's 60 bucks. So like you are getting your money's worth by getting it all in one collection and it looks awesome on the shelf. Yeah, it does look great on a shelf for, you know, for like my wife has a bunch of just hardcover novels Mm -hmm. and, you know, comic books don't sit that nicely next to novels, of course. And so not like that, but, but one of these, oh man, it outshines the novels. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you got to hide those other books in the corner because these are taking the spotlight. Well, you know, long boxes and short boxes just don't work quite the same up there. No, they do not. <laughs> well, do you have any last book that you've been reading that you wanted to to spotlight? Oh, man, there there are so many. Uh, and actually, mid-conversation, I realized when I was talking about Ghost, Ghost Cage as a instant top of the pile, there really is a current book. There is one other current book that is instant top of pile almost before I get home read. Seriously, like it's almost out of the bag before I'm even home from the the my LCS. And that's Animal Castle. Have you seen Animal I, Castle yet? I have not even heard of that. Okay, so I I don't even know how I managed to to come across the book. It, it was on the shelf at my LCS. By chance, I got there first day because, again, my LCS doesn't really order a lot of books because they just don't sell a ton, uh, especially for the number ones where they don't know if it's going to work. It's by Ablaze is the publisher. It's called Animal Castle, uh, and it is basically – are you familiar with Animal Farm? Did you read that yeah. in high school? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so it is effectively Animal Farm, but – using a castle instead of a farm and the uh premise is the there's the the castle is run by a bull and dogs and all the other animals are effectively slaves working in this castle they are farming they are doing all of the labor to provide food for the dog and the or the bull and the dogs which are like the henchmen and what and so it's three four four issues deep i believe and it is visually now i love ghost cage there is i have there is not one complaint whatsoever about animal castle like it is instantly amazing to read it it has an incredible a cat is the protagonist it is this mother of three kittens who is just struggling to survive her husband was killed in an accident on the in the castle 
because uh, they, they're building a wall out of stones. And she has to take her husband's job because the only way that the bull and the dogs give food out, stipends, is you have to do so much labor that day. And it, so her husband was responsible for moving bricks, moving so many bricks per day. And so she has to equal the amount of work her husband used to do in order for her family to, to eat. And that's just set, that's basic episode or issue number one. And then you just dive into it. And the storyline is effectively like, like animal farm. They're trying to, the farm animals are trying to take over the castle from the, the bull and the dogs who are larger, stronger, and in a better position. So it, it is, there are so many political uh, lines drawn that uh, correlate to the real world, I suppose, uh, not to get too political. And then there are a lot of really good stories from your past, if you fam are familiar with Animal Farm, that you can pull from. And there's a little bit of nostalgia there. But holy shit, let's come back to the artwork. So this book is uh, the the writing is Xavier Dorison. And the art is by Felix Delep, uh, or Delep, uh, and I believe it is originally a French book. I, I believe it's in French and it's being translated to American or English. God, translated uh, to American. Oh God, that was so. Can you cut that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> anyway, it really has become the first one I bought because I was so intrigued by it. I flipped through and I said, "This looks pretty decent," so I bought it. And now it is actually an addiction equal to, if not more so than, than ghost cage. Uh, but it's the, the artwork is visceral and bloody. Uh, the, I, I think I said it on Spectales once when I talked about it, the first scene in the first book is a chicken tied to a stake being ripped apart by dogs as punishment for hiding an egg from the dogs. Jeez. Like that's scene one, issue one, and it doesn't let go from there. Like it's just that intense. Uh, I, uh, once again, another instant read, uh, and I'm, I'm not even apologizing for it. I love that book, and I think everybody should read it. Yeah, I, I looked up the cover, and if the interiors look anything like this main cover, I am sold. It looks straight great. out of the, it's straight out of the book. Yeah, that, that, that my cover is straight from the book. Yeah, I'm going to have to look this one up because that sounds right. And it's in a castle, so, you know, keeping yeah. in line with my... Castles. Yeah, got to love those castles. But it's it's epic. It is... I mean, when you're basing your story on a classic novel, there is a lot of good stuff to draw from. But the visuals are what will keep you coming back for more. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds incredible. Well, I added something that I'm going to throw on my hunt list and I, I eagerly await you reading barbaric and let me know what you think of it. I, I will read it. Uh, hell, maybe I'll even read it tonight. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if there's time. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a quick read. It's fun stuff. I, I'm generally the type of person that likes getting physical copies of books. However, I am not above when I want to read something and it's like, hey, I've got the time right now, I'll go find it on Comixology or, or you know, Jeff Bezos' website and, uh, and pay for it. I don't mind. 
Yeah. Or or you get really lucky sometimes and you can use apps like Libby that just connect you to your local library and you can read stuff for free. I wasn't aware of that. Libby. <laughs> look up Libby. You well, can now get I have it. to look that up. Yeah. So Libby and you get your own digital library card that connects you to your local library. Yep. And you are able to then uh, check out digital copies of your books. It is 100% legal. You are not stealing from creators. You are supporting your local library. Awesome. Well, I will also look into that. And we do support our local library. We live a few blocks from it and we go there all the time. I didn't, I never get comics there, but my kids love it. It's a great, honestly, it is a great place. If you are comic reading on a budget, your local libraries are such a great resource because they get the trades. If you want to read full storylines, go there, sit down, read the book, take some home. It's free. Just go and do it. It's so much fun. Well, there you have it. I learned a lot on this show already. Mm -hmm. And when libraries are trying to get rid of inventory, they sell those trade paperbacks for very little. Oh, well, that's another interesting thing to know. I got to go down and check my local library. There you go, everybody. That's that's the don't don't take away any of the books we talked about. Just, you know, go to your local library, support them. Absolutely. And but still definitely go look Ghost Cage up and Animal Castle. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost Cage, Animal Castle, Barbaric, and Once in Future. And barbaric, Once in Future. What else did we say? I think I think that was it, right? Yeah. And Ultra Mega. I, mean, Ultra I, Mega. I won't go into detail, but you want that too. Yeah. And die. <laughs> We'll throw die in there too. We we at least brought that up. I just randomly threw out ultimate. <laughs> well, Jake, this has been so much fun. So please, can you share your socials and where everyone can find you? Yeah, thank you. Uh, this was a ton of fun, uh, and I will gladly. We're going to have to talk about reciprocating and getting you over on Spectales as well. Yes, please. But it, if you would like to find Spectales, you can find it on every single podcast format. We're on Apple, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter at SpecTalesPod. And then on Instagram, Spec underscore Tales underscore Podcast. And again, if you Google us, it's actually pretty easy to find. We have a website, SpecTalesPodcast.com. Yeah, I, again, I will champion your show from one comic book podcast to another. You all, if you listen to Comic Book Keepers, you need to be listening to Spectales. Well, thank you very much. Of course. It's time to close the book on this issue of What Are You Reading? So until next time, this is Lance. And I'm Jake. Reminding you to keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. Closer.